Paula Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PalaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you spending the week between Christmas and New Year's with me. I'm here for one more day. It is interesting. I pull into the parking lot, and normally our parking lot would be about three-quarters full by the time I get to work. And today... Well, I don't want to say you could count the number of cars that were in the parking lot on, you know, uh, your your fingers, but your fingers and toes, yeah, you could probably count the number of cars there. A lot of people taking the week off and enjoying the holidays. We will keep you up to date on the weather. This is the, I think, first significant, and by significant, they're, they're not talking about a, a blizzard. We're not talking about six inches of snow. We're not talking about a foot of snow, but uh, they do say, and looking at the radar, it looks like there's some snow that's going to be coming in here, and people, particularly when we have the first snowfall of the season across the area, people just tend to forget how to drive, and so you always have the fender benders and stuff. So we'll continue to keep you apprised of that as the afternoon wears on. And just be aware that the weather conditions are changing. And when you're out and about, try to be careful. We don't want anybody in ditches, and we don't want people in body shops, and we don't want people in auto repair areas, and we certainly don't want people in hospitals because there's no room for people in hospitals right now with the splurge in COVID. Let us get started. Um, it was last night. My my wife says, you've got to see this this piece. And so I, I get up and I watch it. And it was a piece, I think it was on the ABC Evening News, just a, a brief thing, the story of the woman who's being called Delta Karen. Maybe you have seen this. If you haven't, well, I've got two links to stories to this up on my Twitter account. You can follow me at Jeff Wagner 620. And um, here, here's the story. We, we have one that kind of reflects the the transcript of what happened and another that actually captures the video of what happened. So here's the deal. The flight is December 23rd, so two days before Christmas. It's a Delta flight from Tampa, Florida to Atlanta. So it's a really short flight. That's like an hour, that's like an hour plus flight. So there's a woman who is on the plane. Now the as it turns out this woman is a former Playboy model. <laughs> that's, that's just kind of the, that, that's sort of the, like, aside from this. At the time this, this whole story happened, nobody knew, you know, who exactly she was. But her name is Patricia Cornwall. She was a former um, Playboy model. She was on a Baywatch. Um, she was, for a, a brief period of time, she was a member of the Oakland Raiders dance team back when they were the Oakland Raiders. So, um, I mean, so an attractive woman. Um, so what happens is she's on this flight. She gets up to go to the bathroom. So she walks to the back of the plane, uses the restroom. When she comes out, they're, they're in the middle of their beverage service. And so if, if you've been on most planes nowadays, you know that when the flight attendants are in the aisles, you know, with, with those beverage carts, you, you can't get past them. You know, you, you can't get past them. So if, if you want to hear how this whole thing transcribes, uh, transpires, again, I, I've got a, a link to it. I would have played it for you, but 
every third word would have to be bleeped out. So it becomes kind of useless. But with an adult warning, language warning, if you want to hear it, you can follow me on Twitter. Go to Je- at Jeff Wagner 620. And, and I've got a link to the to the to the conversation that, that that occurs. So anyhow, the gal's coming out of of the restroom and she wants to get to her seat. But the cart, you know, the beverage cart is between her and her seat. So she can't get past and there's really nowhere for the flight attendant to go. It's a short flight. They're trying to serve people, give them their sodas or whatever and, and then, you know, get get this set because they've got to get the service done so they can pick up everything because it's a short flight. So anyhow, the lady is impatient. She wants to get back to her seat. So she says something to the flight attendant about, well, I, I need, I, I want to get to my seat. And the flight attendant says something like, just, just take a vacant seat um, until our beverage service is done. You know, it wasn't apparently a full flight. So flight attendant says, just, just, just sit down in an empty seat un- until we're finished, and then you're going to be able to get to your seat. Okay. At that point in time, the lady says to the flight attendant, what am I, Rosa Parks? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now, for, for people who might not be familiar with that, that reference, Rosa Parks was the 40-something-year-old black woman back in December of 1955, Montgomery, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama, by way of background, had had a segregated bus system. And what happened is the seats in the front of the bus were for white people, and the, the seats in the back of the bus were for, at the time, what they called colored people, quote, unquote. So Rosa Parks is sitting in the colored people section. She's in the first row of that. The whites-only section of the bus is all filled. So a white passenger gets on the bus. What happens is the bus driver then goes back and tells, I can't even imagine stuff like this happen in this country, goes back and tells the four African-American people who are sitting in the first row of the quote-unquote colored row tells them they've got to get up and leave to make room for the white passenger. And it's not, and so, and then, of course, because you have segregation, the white passenger can't sit next to the other black people. So, you know, they've all got to get up and leave. Rosa Parks refuses to get up. She refuses to give up her seat, and she is ultimately arrested. She spent a little bit of time in jail, but she became, justifiably so, a civil rights icon. So anyhow, that's the story of Rosa Parks. So you got this 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 lady who's coming out of the bathroom on the Delta flight. She can't get to her seat on the plane, so she says, what am I? So the flight attendant says, just take an empty seat till, till we're done. At which point in time, she says, what am I, Rosa Parks? What, who, who am I? What am I, Rosa Parks? Okay, she says. At this point in time, there's an 80-year-old guy who is sitting down in his seat. He's on the aisle. You can see this in, in the video. And she's having this conversation, she being the 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 woman coming out of the bathroom. Um, she's having this conversation with the flight attendant. Again, her last name is... So the flight attendant says, sit down. She says, what am I, Rosa Parks? At this point in time, the guy who's sitting down says, lady, you're not black. This isn't Alabama. This isn't a bus. Sit down. <laughs> okay, that's what she says. That's what he says. At this point in time, the woman goes ballistic and starts screaming at the guy. What did you say to me? And he says, I-, I told you to sit down. At which point in time, the guy is apparently he's eating or drinking or something. So he's got his face mask down. He- she says, P- 
put on your face mask. Now, the interesting irony of this is by now she she's not wearing her mask. She's got her mask around her chin and she's screaming at this guy, put on your blanking face mask. Well, at which point in time this suddenly now now graduates. So she's yelling and cursing at him and she's calling him all sorts of names. I can't even say some of them on the radio here. And she's screaming, put on your blanking mask. And he says, I'm eating. I can do I can do it with my mask off. Um, and then, you know, he says, and then woman says, how dare you talk to me like that? And, you know, he says, I'll talk to you any blanking way I want. At which point in time, she says, stand your blank up. And now she's screaming. And at which point in time, he says, sit down, Karen, to her. And she then completely loses it. And she's cursing at the guy, put on your mask. And then she reaches out and she hits him, slaps him across the face, and then starts to kind of go after him. At which point in time, now the flight attendants are there, and they're trying to restrain her. Is she screaming at this guy? Tell him to mask up. Tell him to blank, 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 blank. Well, you, you get the idea. It's this out-of-control thing. He's going, you just hit me. You're going to jail. She's screaming. And, and finally, they, they kind of bum rush her to the back and she stays in the back of the plane until the flight lands there's fbi waiting for her as the plane lands she is arrested she's now been charged with disorderly conduct on an airplane she's looking at a maximum of one year in prison and a maximum of a a fine of up to a hundred thousand dollars so this is this is a big deal at present, the 80-year-old the man who was sitting down, he hasn't been charged with anything because, he, I mean, he didn't, he didn't swing at her or anything like that. I mean, he did, he, when she started yelling at him, he did yell at her, and you could arguably say that maybe he started this by, after she said, what am I, Rosa Parks? You know, he told her to sit down and said, you know, this isn't Alabama in 1955, and this isn't a bus, you know, sit down, which then, like, threw her, you know, completely off. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. She, the woman, through her attorney, is at this point in time not offering any comments. But she says, oh, well, we'll be definitely making a comment at some point in time. We want our side of the story told. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you do with Delta Karen? Now, the video is out there for all to see, clearly and totally out of control. And she she hit this guy. She hit the guy. All right. She's now been charged. If, in fact, she is convicted, do you send her to jail? Do you fine her a whole boatload of money? Do you hold her accountable for this outburst? 855-616-1620. What do we do with Delta Karen? We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One of our texters says, "Well, I don't understand why. Why are they doing a beverage service on a short flight? Just give a bottle of water." And it, okay, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's that's really not the point of the story. They were doing beverage service, and the woman didn't like being told that she had to like sit in a vacant seat while they were completing the beverage service, and she likened herself to Rosa Parks. And this eighty-year-old guy said, "You're not Rosa Parks. Sit down," and that set her off. And then you know they traded 
expletives and things like that. And she reaches out and she whacks him. Now, you know, through an attorney, she says, well, we want to tell our side of the story. Well, my response, I guess, would be tell your side of the story to the judge and then bring your toothbrush because we, we've got to stop this kind of craziness here. And the, the, the ultimate irony is she's screaming at the guy, you know, put on your mask. Now he, he's eating. She's got no mask on. It's around around her chin. She's screaming. There's spittle flying all over. Um, clearly, this woman has no sense of irony. 855-616-1620. And if I were the judge, I'd give her nine months to a year in prison to kind of contemplate her situation. Let's start with Susan in Waukesha. Susan, you're first. Hello. Hi. Well, you stole my thunder about the irony that she's yelling and screaming and spitting all over everybody with her mask down, telling him to put his mask up. Right. But um, agreed, she should be charged because and there's just too many people. I mean, she actually, it wasn't just yelling and screaming. She struck him yeah. and she needs to be, you know, held accountable. So you're absolutely right. And we need to start doing this because it's gotten out of control with over 5,000 just this year. Yeah, and it's it just, I see, I guess I, when I first saw this story, I, I got to tell you, Susan, my, my first thought was, what, really, what are people thinking? I, I mean, this is, I mean, this is not an uncommon thing. I mean, a lot of us who have traveled regularly on airplanes know, hey, you, you know that if if that if that drink cart is in the middle there, you you either don't get up and go to the bathroom, or you just have to wait till they clear the aisle. This it, it's not like she was some aggrieved person. They're just saying, lady, just sit down, let us finish the drink service, then you can go back to your seat. And uh, what do you, what am I, Rosa Parks, telling me to take a seat? I mean, really, people people are way too wound up. They are, and you're right, and everybody knows they're supposed to be wearing a mask now. This is not some, you know, surprise that, oh, they got on the plane and somebody's asking them to do this. So, right. and people are told you can take the mask off when you're eating or drinking. So right. she needs to just learn to handle herself, and she's going to have to pay the consequences. Th- th- thanks have so- a great New Year. Yeah, you as well, Susan. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, I see that that's it. I mean, the... This this idea that she's screaming at the guy. Okay, you you have to wear a mask, and he says I, I, he just apparently been served his drink or peanuts or whatever, and so you know he, he says I, I'm eating. This is okay, but the, the point is it's not her role to to enforce that. You know, if the flight attendants had a problem with the guy and what he was doing, the flight attendants were certainly within the rights to say, sir, you you got to put up your mask. But that's not what this is all about. This is an enraged woman who's just decided, well, how, how dare anybody talk to me like this? How dare they not let me get to my seat? And, and how dare, when I liken myself to Rosa Parks, how dare this guy, you know, say something? Now, you, you might want to say, maybe it's best when you're dealing with crazy people not to engage. And and that that's fine. But Clearly, the man didn't like like the reference to Rosa Parks and this lady likening herself to a civil rights activist. And, and then it kind of all set it off. But it's one thing to have this exchange of things and you're cursing at somebody else and he's cursing back. OK, that, that's that's one thing. But you cross a line when you decide that you're going to punch at the guy. And if you see the video, she's trying to punch him more. She's trying to get at him even more. Stand up. And she's calling him all sorts of names and questioning his manhood and stuff like that. Now, in fairness, he, he's he's giving as good as he's getting he's, he's not being pushed around by this lady but at some point in time it's kind of like lady you know just you if you would have just taken your seat none of this would have happened ted in cedarburg ted you're on wtmj yeah good afternoon Hi, Jeff. Ted. Uh, i have not seen this i have not seen this <laughs> video but from what you described um uh, you're right first of all this is happening way too often 
Uh, secondly, I think this woman should be locked up, and I think she should be given the maximum fine to make an example of her. And, and maybe it'll stop something like this happening somewhere in the future. As far as smacking this 80-year-old guy around, I mean, I, I'm hoping that somebody was there to at least try and restrain her as opposed to just sitting back and yeah, taking video. Yeah, yeah well, this. right, the flight attendants are, are there because they're, they're, this is all happening, like, right around the, the beverage cart. So she's screaming at the guy. The uh, flight attendants are, are there. there there's, there's, like, two of them. There's a female flight attendant who's trying to hold her. She's hauling back. She's, like, we're trying to punch the guy again. Then there's a male flight attendant you can see, and they're, and they're grabbing her because she is clearly and completely out of control. I mean, normally, guys would love to be on a plane probably with a former Playboy bunny. But in this particular Playboy model, in this case, she was just flat-out nuts. Yeah, nuts. I, I say lock her up and, and give her the fine. Make an example yeah. of her. Because I do travel a lot, and I I see this constantly. The the, the flight attendants tell the people, turn your computer off, right. do this, do this, and they just, they just won't do it. Yeah, I, I, I've I, never seen anything like it. Anyway, thank Thanks Locker for the call. Up, Appreciate it. Up. Got it. Thanks for the call, Ted. Happy New Year. Well, that, that's it. And I, I, I fly a lot uh, as well, and, and I agree with you completely. I mean, they, they come on. They Look, I, I understand. People might not like the mask rules on airplanes. I don't particularly like the mask rules on airplanes, but they are the rules, and, and they make it very clear up front what those rules are. So if you decide, for whatever reasons, you don't want to comply with them, well, then, you know, drive <laughs> that that's that's it but that that's kind of the price of poker right now if you're going to get on the airplane you have to follow the rules but this is more than just a mask rule this is about somebody who's completely unable to control themselves and i appreciate that there will be a statement coming out and she'll probably be talking about how she was the victim because she didn't like the way this guy talked to her well okay she started the whole thing and he did give as good as he got but at no point in time did he ever strike her and candidly i mean once you throw that punch Boom, your your history. And if I'm the judge in this case, yeah, I'm going to fine her a lot of money, but I'm also going to give her it's a misdemeanor, so it's only up to a year. I'm going to give her several months, maybe closer to the year, in the as a guest of the federal government to number one, make an example to others, and number two, give Delta Karen a chance to think about her actions. The they did let her out on bail. They said that she could only go on an airplane to fly back to her home in Los Angeles. If I I were the airlines no way i'd let her on the plane though all right back with more in just a minute welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj I believe this is the last week. Get your tickets now for Wisconsin's ultimate drive-through holiday experience. WTMJ is proud to support Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. Enjoy millions of lights, three mesmerizing light tunnels, hundreds of inflatables, a rink for ice skating villagers, a nativity scene, and much, much more. This is their final week and your last chance to get in on the fun. To secure your spot now, text the word CHRISTMAS to act the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. It's Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland in Grafton. And um, get a little bit of snow out there, and I'm sure that would make it even cooler than it already is. But it is cool. Okay, a, a good news story. I have talked about this company before, and, and no, I do not own stock in the company, and no, they're not an advertiser on my program. I think they might be a sponsor for the Packers, but they're not an advertiser here. But I, I always... When you find people who are able to either build a better mousetrap or take an existing mousetrap and figure out how to improve it and make it popular, 
I, I always think that they deserve a, a shout out. So here, here's the story. Um, the convenience store chain Quip Quick Trip is going to open its 800th store this week. 800 stores. They're going to be opening uh, a store apparently on Thursday um, in the Lacrosse area, the Holman area. But this will be their, their 800th store. Now, for people who aren't familiar with, with Quick Trip, it, it was founded... 1965, so what, 55, 56 years ago, um, in Eau Claire. And it started off as a, again, a small convenience store gas station. They, they added several locations around Eau Claire. 71, they, they spread out to La Crosse. And over the course of the, I mean, last 50 years, they have expanded exponentially all across the state of Wisconsin. They also operate in um, Minnesota under the name Quick Trip, and they also operate in Iowa and Illinois under the name Quick Star. Okay, so that that's it. But if you see, if you're in Iowa and you see a Quick Star, that that's Quick Trip. But they're based now in La Crosse. It's they employ full or part time more than 32,000 employees across Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa. So, I mean, it's it's a huge employer. I know a number of people who, over the years, have worked for Quick Trip. And to a person, to a person, they all talk about what a great employer Quick Trip is. Now, I, I don't hear that among people, and I, I don't mean to knock, you know, other convenience store chains or things like that, but I... I I hear this stuff about Quick Trip that you don't hear about from from other places. I mean, you, you don't hear, and I don't even want to. I don't even want to mention other places. But you know, there, there's these other you know, like convenience store chains and gas station chains and things like that. You you don't hear those employees talking about how great Quick Trip uh, about how great their employer is. Almost everybody I know who works at a Quick Trip loves them. Just just absolutely loves working there. And obviously, with this growth and success, people love patronizing the stores. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, we've discussed this a couple times over the years, but I think it's fair to revisit this, you know, again, given the fact that they're getting ready to open their 800th store in a relatively confined geographical area. Clearly, Quick Trip has figured out how to do something right. You do not have this kind of sustained success uh, unless you're really on to something. So what what's what is their secret? 855-616-1620 that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Why have they been able to succeed so much in an area where there is an incredible amount of competition? I mean, I will tell you that in the immediate area where I live, there, there's not we, we don't have there's not a quick trip. I mean, but there, there's quick trips within a few miles of where I live. Um, if I if I need gas or something, and I am in the vicinity of the quick trip, now I'm not going to drive ten miles out of my way to go to the quick trip. But you know, given gee, I, I need gas, I'm passing the quick trip, no question, I'm going to pull into the quick trip, and I might even get out of the car, go in, buy a cup of coffee or something. What is the secret of the success of Quick Trip? What have they been doing so well? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six. 
620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I was just struck, uh, Quick Trip this week is going to open up their 800th store. Now, it's predominantly Minnesota, mostly Wisconsin, Iowa, a little bit in Illinois. But 32,000 employees, not all full-time, but full or part-time. It's really a, a great, I think, Wisconsin and Midwestern success story. And, and we're discussing what the key to their success is. Why is Quick Trip succeeding when lots of other places aren't? Let's start with uh, Joe in Franksville. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Um, I'm a seminar presenter, and uh, someone asked me to do a high-level customer service seminar, and they were like, we want to take it to the next level. I'm like, I love giving Quick Trip my money, so I went onto their website, Within three, four clicks, it's like, here's a profile of someone who will succeed at Quick Trip. In essence, they hire the right people. They don't train people to be friendly. They hire friendly people. Right. And I really think that that's their key. Yeah, well, I mean, because people drive it. There's no question about it. No, thanks for calling. 855-616. It's people. I would say... uh, um, I'll get to some of the text in just a minute. But I would say, I, I think one of the things I'm always struck by is it, it, it is welcoming. That's always been my experience. It is clean. And, and that's that's so important. You know, you, you fill up with gas, you go in, you want to use the restroom, and the restroom is clean. Um, as opposed to, oh, boy, I mean, when was the last time anybody saw this? I, I also think that where, where Quick Trip has really succeeded is the, the model a lot of times for convenience stores when it came to food, for example, is you walk into the convenience stores and, I don't know, they, they've got, you know, a couple of those, like, hot dogs that are turning in the, you know, turning in those those little machines, and you'd think, huh, I wonder how long that's been here. My sense when I go into the Quick Trips is the stuff is always it's always fresh. Uh, now, you know, I don't know. Is it going to rival like the high-end meat counter and stuff at maybe some of the high-end meat markets? No, but you, you can go there. You can get quality stuff. I think it is reasonably priced for convenience stores. I think you can do one-stop stop, one stop shopping as well. I mean, I just think it's been a great um, business model. Uh, Joette in Milwaukee, you're in WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. What do you think? Hi, Jeff. Hi. I have a, I have a very close friend that uh, actually is a probation officer, but she works at Quick Trip part time mm-hmm. up in Stanley, Wisconsin. Okay, and she absolutely loves working there. Uh, they're very, very accommodating with flexible hours because she has a full time job. Right, and she said that the perks that they give their employees are wonderful, and the treatment is wonderful. And she always, always. Um, says how great the food is and how fresh it is. And I've shopped there myself, and I think it's a great store. Yeah, it it is. It's funny you mentioned the the perks. Uh, One of our texters said that his daughter or her daughter worked, you know, part-time when they were a college student, and and they gave out, you know, holiday bonuses, even to the part-timers. And they were just kind of, like, blown away that, hey, you're you're giving bonuses to the part-timers. And that's the type of stuff. I think acknowledging the employee's contribution, that's the type of stuff that makes happy employees and it makes people want to stay or it makes people want to do the, the very best they possibly can, you know, when they're working there. Oh, very true. I have never had a bad experience going to a quick trip. Any place in the country or any place where they have quick trips. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And thanks for calling out. And I also think there are, 
I, I think that, you know, one of the things I think has been the key to their expansion is you also don't hear about quick trips closing. So I think they're they're very cautious as to, you know, where, where are we going to put the quick trips in? We don't want to be too close to each other. We we want to we also want to put them in places where we think our business model is going to work. Here's a text. Jeff, my niece has worked at Quick Trip in Lacrosse for 25 years. She absolutely loves um, working there. Jeff, for small towns with no grocery stores, Quick Trip is a blessing. Plus, you can call and have food made to order like um, hot pizza. They now even have deep fried pickles. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of people are making the point of consistency. They're saying, you know, you can go in, and th- this is true. This is, I think it's one of the things that's been an advantage for McDonald's, too. Consistency. You go into, you, you go into a quick trip, and it doesn't matter whether you're going into a quick trip in Lacrosse or in Madison or in Wausau. They're, they're the same. You know, you're, you're going to find the same, you're going to find the same donuts. You're going to find the same coffee. You're going to same, find the same type of milk. There is this consistency. You know what to expect. And I think a lot of people love that. And again, I keep coming back also to the, the cleanliness. I mean, it's just that to me, that, that's just, that's just a huge factor when you walk into a place. You know, does it look like it's just trashed? Uh, does it look like somebody serviced the bathroom? Does it look like you're afraid to use the bathroom? I mean, those, those are, maybe they sound like like little things, but I think the truth is they're not little things. They're stuff that drive consumer choices because we have a lot of different choices. Mike and Cudahy. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's the people that, that they hire. I think someone said earlier they hire friendly people. They don't teach people how to be friendly. And um, consequently, people that are uh, have that attitude gravitate toward, gravitate toward working there. It's the Culver's model. It's the same thing. Clean, smiling faces, friendly, polite, happy to see you. It's just a, a great environment above and beyond what their the product is. Yeah. It's it's a nice feeling when you walk in the door. Yeah, you know, I think that's, that's your your Culver's example is great. I, I would I, I if I was trying to think of other Wisconsin based companies that I would put up there and and, and I'm, I'm not saying there aren't, but clearly Quick Trip and Culver's, you know, come to mind for those type of establishments as being sort of leaders that you think back and think, hey, you go into a Culver's anywhere in the state and you know you're going to find the, the same sort of thing. I think it's that consistency I think that we look for. Yeah, I agree. Thanks. No, thanks, no, thanks for calling. Call. No, I appreciate it. Um, a number of people uh, Great employees. It's, I will tell, maybe like a hundred texts to give you an idea what the volume is. I, I would say about half of them are, are saying great employees. Here's one. Uh, they got bananas for 39 cents a pound, but they also have great employees who know you by name. Jeff, food is reasonable, good, and it's not outdated. I think re- grass, grass, Gas prices and groceries are reasonable. They always have enough help, so no long lines. What's not to like? Well, I think that's kind of the key there. And I guess for me, this is the situation where if you're trying to start a business, if you're trying to figure out, okay, I I, I want to start a business. I, I want to go into the convenience store business or whatever. I want to go into the fast food business. One of the things I think is so important is to look at the businesses that are succeeding and figure out, okay, why why is this chain operating so well? Why have they been able to grow as much as they have? What are they doing right? And at the end of the day, it does come back to a couple things, and you're hearing that on the program. Good, friendly employees, cleanliness, reasonable prices, consistency. doesn't matter what the industry is. I think that's 
what the business is, that that's kind of one of your recipes for success. So hats off to Quick Trip. Uh, this week they're going to be opening their 800th store. Quite an accomplishment from something that started like with one convenience store in Eau Claire in 1965. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I've said this before. There was a time in the city of Milwaukee when 100 homicides were was just an unthinkable number. I remember the first time the city hit 100 homicides, I was in the U.S. Attorney's Office, and I, I want to say it was the very late 80s or maybe early 1990s, and the, the fact that we hit 100 homicides was largely fueled by, by crack cocaine, and it was fueled by street gangs Going essentially going to war with each other indiscriminately, and and you'd have gang members that would shoot other gang members, um, rival gang members for who should have the rights to sell crack cocaine on a particular corner. And as oftentimes happened, unfortunately, you would have innocent bystanders that would get caught up in the the mix. You would have you know gangsters who would decide, hey, we're going to go shoot up this house because you know the gang leader lives in the house, and it wouldn't be the gang leader's house. And you'd have like a twelve year old who'd get killed. It, it, but that, that's what drove it to 100 homicides. And I remember at the time being in law enforcement as, as a drug prosecutor thinking, my God, what is going on? How could we have 100 homicides? It was almost unthinkable. And now, as Alex was just reporting, the city of Milwaukee, for the first time in its history, has now hit 200 homicides and counting because we've got a couple more days in in the year two more homicides in Milwaukee committed Tuesday morning first around 5:45 a.m. near 32nd and Hampton 43-year-old woman died of blunt force trauma 44-year-old man was arrested second homicide happened just before 8 a.m. on Congress Street 28-year-old man shot and killed in the incident okay so you you've got 200 homicides, which is staggering for a city our size. If it, if you want to hear even worse news, thinking, okay, Jeff, how could it get worse? Here, here's the deal. Historically, the Milwaukee police have done a great job of clearing homicide cases. That By that, I mean solving the cases and identifying who was the killer and, and prosecuting them. All right. Well, that... That's kind of stopped in 2021 because of the 200 homicides which have happened, less than half have resulted in an arrest. Normally, they clear 70, 80 percent of the homicides. Right now, at least at this point in the year, it, it's less than 50 percent. So you've got more people dying and you've got more people, at least so far, getting away with killing people which means you've got killers that are out on the street potentially able to kill again. And it's it's not a fault of the police. In some respects, I think what you see is the police are just absolutely overwhelmed with the amount of violence that is going on. And, of course, homicides is just one of the indicators. As I frequently do on this program, I refer to the Milwaukee Police Department's database, the number that jumps out at you. And this is the numbers are always kind of a couple days behind, but the, the number, of course, that jumps out at you, and if you're a regular listener, you know it's a number I obsess on, is, is the car thefts. 
Um, according to the police database, which, again, tends to be lagging a little bit, uh, for this year, 2021, 10,368 cars stolen. That's about 30 cars a day. To put it in perspective, for all of 2020, there were 4,439 cars stolen. So just think about that. 4,400 cars stolen all of 2020. Already in 2021, 10,368 cars stolen. It, it's it's just unbelievable. And unless you think that maybe 2020 was an aberration, maybe that was ridiculously low, uh-uh. 2019, 3,487 cars stolen. So it went from 3,487 to 4,509, and then, I'm, I'm sorry, 3,487 to 4,439, and now it's 10,000 cars. I, we, I, I don't know if these numbers are still correct, but they were a couple, as of like two weeks ago. On the aggregate, just raw numbers, there have been more cars stolen in the city of Milwaukee in 2021 than in the city of Chicago. Let's let that sink out in the air for a minute. Chicago has 2.7 million people. Milwaukee has 600,000. There have been more, and I'm not talking about per person, not per capita, total in Milwaukee, more cars in a city of 600,000 have been stolen than have been stolen in the city of Chicago, a city of 2.6 or 2.7 million. It is staggering the levels of crime that exist in this city. Now, Tom Barrett, God bless him. Tom Barrett, I think long ago ran out of ideas. I think, you know, there's many things you can look at that he you can give him credit for. But to the extent that the mayor is at the end of the day, the buck stops on his desk and the mayor, he or she, is responsible for at least some element of controlling crime. There's no other thing you can do than to give Barrett a complete and total F on, on that. And what was even more troubling is is there were no ideas. There were no possible solutions. There was no reaction other than to express appropriately, you know, outrage when you had, you know, multiple murders and stuff or the reckless driving and all these things. But there weren't any ideas. There weren't any initiatives. And in general, I think that's what's bogged down the, the common council. You have a district attorney's office that is admittedly soft on crime. You have a court system that goes out of its way to avoid holding people accountable. You have some politicians who have decided it is in their interest to pander to a certain segment of their community by not being tough on crime, by talking about how, well, we don't we don't want to prosecute this type of person or that type of person because, well, then we'll end up putting too many of this type of person in jail, when the truth of the matter is not putting them in jail just puts them back out on the street, out there to burglarize people's homes and steal cars and drive recklessly. To me, you know, Punishing criminals has never been about race, or it should never be about race. It should be about punishing people based on their conduct. And for some reason, we, we've gotten a drift of that. So in any event, these are the numbers. End of the year, not yet here, 200 homicides. Something like I say, 30 years ago, 100 homicides were unthinkable. Now we're at 200 homicides. Car thefts, 30 cars a day stolen. The numbers in almost every category are up from last year, and last year was a record year. 
So we've got people talking about wanting to be the mayor of the city. I haven't heard any sort of real ideas about dealing with crime. So I want to open up the phone lines. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess it's twofold. My premise is that crime is the number one issue facing the city of Milwaukee today. You can agree with that or disagree with it, but I, I think it's pretty clear when you look at these numbers. Crime is a major issue. The if you want to don't say want to say it's the most significant issue. All right, uh, you know we're, we're quibbling, but crime is clearly an issue. It affects standards of living. It affects livability. It affects business investment because nobody wants to spend their money putting in a store in a high crime area where there's a good chance that you're going to be robbed, the store is going to be robbed, the employees are going to be killed, customers are going to be beaten up and robbed. You, you just That's not where you choose to invest your money. So I think crime is a huge issue. Our number, 855-616-1620, can anything be done about this? Or has it just gotten so bad that we just simply have to live with it? Stop talking about this. Just recognize that it is what it is, which to me is unacceptable. But let's tee it up, 855-616-1620, because when you want to talk about the number one problem facing the city of Milwaukee today, I think it's easy. You've got to get control of the criminal element, which is running wild and is at risk of turning certain segments, certain portions of the city into that movie Escape from New York. 855-616-1620, we discuss. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, some people are saying, "Oh, Jeff, you're being too hard on the city of Milwaukee because crime is up in other areas." Yeah, yes, crime is up in other cities. There, there's no question about it. We've just set an all-time record after setting an all-time record the year before. And if you want to stick your head in the sand and say, "Oh, two hundred homicides, no big deal. This is just a blip," fine, go, fine. That, that that's that's great. But interestingly enough, the people who want to say that aren't living in the city of Milwaukee and aren't thinking about investing in the city of Milwaukee. You've got to get control of this, and nobody seems to have any ideas. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Bob in Greenfield. Hi, Bob. Hey, Jeff. I think you have to go police state where you have to have a GPS uh, device in, in every vehicle that you would know where a vehicle was at the moment, at any moment, you know, and you have to have more cameras. And I think if you can take the vehicle away from these criminals or say they steal something and you can be able to recover the car within about five hours, if you can make them not mobile, that would, to some extent, that would uh, curb a lot of this crime. Or at least, you know, you'd be able to predict it more if, if you kept people more local. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you, you need more incarcerations because that's not working. Right. Well, and, at least not, incar- I, I not incarcerating people isn't working. Right. Exactly. It's let, letting people back yeah. out on the streets to commit crimes over and over again is obviously not the solution. Yep. Yeah. But I think at some point we're going to have to do that. I know a lot of people feel their, their freedom would be... Uh, uh, taken upon by uh, knowing where a car was at every moment. But, I mean, as it is now, people have their phones, and they know where the phone is at right now. But I, I think we have to be more where we know where everybody is at every moment. Yeah, and, and Otherwise, what, these guys are just 
Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, thanks for calling. You know, that, that raises some of these larger issues that are out there. And I, 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 you know, we were talking about this the other day. I, I understand. Remember, it was a story out of uh, Caledonia, Racine County, where the, the people were at like the Jellystone Park campground display of lights, and they run in to get hot chocolate, and they leave the car running because there's a dog in the car, and they want to keep it warm, and they, they come back, and the car has, of course, been stolen. You you can't turn your your back for just a couple minutes, and and I, I guess you know it's always, I guess it's it's true, but it is disappointing to me that we have gotten to this point in in and around certain ur- urban areas, and Milwaukee is certainly one of them, where, okay, if it's cold this weekend and you go out on Sunday morning and you want to start your car in your driveway because you want to warm it up before you get in to drive to church or something, you can't do that because if you leave your car running and unattended for just a couple minutes, your car is going to be stolen. Now, I, I understand, so we tell people you can't do that, and it, that's good advice, but when did we get to this point that crime is so very out of control that you can't leave your car idling in your driveway because because there's not going to be some roving band of thugs, punks, thieves, pick whichever word you want, that are going to be around and seeing the car running and they're going to take it. I mean, and that's unfortunately, that's the environment we live in. And we're not too far away from a situation where, oh, somebody broke into your house. Well, did you have a deadbolt door on the front door? Well, no, I didn't. Well, it's your fault because you should have done that. Or did you have your windows deadbolt locked? Well, no, I didn't. You had your window open with the screen in? Well, I mean, it, it's almost an invitation to have people come in and steal stuff. That, that's how apparently normal and complacent we have gotten when it comes to dealing with crime. John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Uh, Hi okay. Um, my, thing, my thing is this here. Um, uh, uh, if, they, if, they, if they send a National Guard out to watch Carl Rittenhouse, how come they can't just come uh, uh, have the National Guard help us? They say they don't have enough police. How come they just can't come here and at least start with getting these cars off the street that don't have license plates? That's a lot of it right there. You know, then you got you'll find guns and you'll find everything else because you'll get the law with no license plate. Get that plate first. If you don't, you know, you've got to start somewhere. And I think that's a pretty good place to start. Get the National Guards in here and they straighten the city out. John, it's real, it's real simple to me. What, John, I, I just I, I was smiling when I was listening to you talk because can can you imagine if if Tony Evers it's not would never happen. But if Tony Evers said, "I am outraged by two hundred homicides. I'm outraged by ten thousand car thefts. I'm outraged by all these numbers. So I'm going to deploy the National Guard to work with local authorities in an effort to try to you know help solve the homicide rate or, or do exactly what you're talking about the cars. Can you imagine the way? Some politicians would scream, oh, my gosh, you know, we're going to be you know, putting the military on the streets and this is terrible. Can you imagine what some politicians would say if you actually did something like that? Well, if I was a governor, I, 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 they would have to put me out. You know, <laughs> I, I would say tough. We're going to straighten this city out. It, I mean, we, we got to do what we got to do. If you do that for two months, I guarantee you a lot of cars. And I mean, for whatever reason, uh, uh, first off, like I said, it's against the law to not have no place. Right. So we just stop doing things that's against the law. And then, I, you know, I'm in, I'm in a check cashing place the other day in the money order. Here comes a guy with a big Uzi on his side. <laughs> Do they not know that you, you're not supposed to go to a place with money? You, you know, I mean, even if you got a license to carry a gun, why would you, why would you leave that out like that? I was irate, and I'm a, I'm, I got a lot of guns, you yeah. know, in, in license. I was afraid of this guy. I didn't know what, what he could rob the place or right. don't let me see it. You know, I mean, it's, it's something you got to do. It's okay I, having a gun, you know, but you need to know when you could, you know. I know. I'm, I'm John. I'm, John, I'm with you. You guys, you and I. Thanks for calling, John. You and, and Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. You and I are are 
are, are we're, we're after the same. Are, I think our hearts are both in, in the right place. I mean, I, I also this goes back to the whole idea of accountability. And I know this is a recurring theme on this program. And it, but it is it is frustrating to me that, you know, we, we have had this is this is years and years of touchy feely, soft on crime stuff coming home to roost. And and now what's happened is that the system is overwhelmed. You know, we talked about those 10,000 cars that were stolen as of a couple weeks ago, based on a report that Channel 6 had. You know, the, you know how many you know how many people have been apprehended in connection with 10,000? Only about 1,000. So, you know, now, understandably, some of those 1,000 people have stolen multiple cars. So, I mean, theoretically, you know, my my belief is you don't just steal one car. So I'm not saying that, you know, that there's 900 car thieves that are out there who haven't been caught, 9,000 car thieves out there haven't been caught, but there's thousands of car thieves who have not been caught. We're doing a lousy job of catching people. We're doing an even worse job of holding people accountable once we do catch them. And if you talk to rank-and-file cops, that's what they tell you is one of their biggest objections. They catch people, they bring them in, and before the ink is even dry on the booking cards, you have some court commissioner that's turned them loose on some ridiculously low bail, and then they sit around waiting for trial, waiting for trial, and then ultimately their bail gets released, reduced, they go out and they commit other crimes. This is the system that we have come to deal with, and until you start electing politicians who are tough on crime until you start electing a district attorney and judges who really give more than lip service to trying to make the community safe, it's not going to get any better. And for everybody who wonders that this chicken and the egg thing, well, gee, we, we need more jobs. If there were better jobs out there and more economic opportunity, people wouldn't be so inclined to commit crimes. Okay, if you accept that as a premise, though, again, what comes first? You got to solve the crime. If I am a businessman looking to invest, and I've got, I don't know, fifty thousand dollars, and I want to put a store in. All right, well, where am I going to do? Am I going to put my store in an area that is a shooting gallery for thefts and robberies and murders, or am I going to put it in an area that is relatively safe? If you could find, well, well, of course, you're going to go to the relatively safe area. Until you get a handle on crime, you're not going to solve these other economic problems. And I'd love to hear some of the people who want to replace Barrett. I want to hear their ideas, and I want to hear whether they're willing to stand up to some of those loud liberal voices in the community who for years have been arguing, let's not hold people accountable, let's not lock them up, let's have more midnight basketball. Well, midnight basketball is fine until the kid's stolen his fifth or sixth car, at which point in time, you know, any basketball should be played behind bars. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Wondering what 2022 will have in store? Well, join WTMJ on Wednesday, January 12th at the Italian Community Center in Milwaukee for an all-day broadcast on the topics that impact your everyday life. Politics, the economy, health, and more. This is your chance to ask questions to big-name guests like Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers and Milwaukee Mayor Cavalier Johnson. WTMJ 2022, presented by Annex Wealth Management, with food provided by Bartolotta Restaurants. You can find more information about the event at WTMJ. Dot com. Also, let me see. What was my note here? This looks like it might be fun. Tomorrow night, I assume 
that this is during Scott Warris's WTMJ Nights show. Um, our general manager and vice president, Steve Wexler, he's going to be on the air tomorrow night. That would be Wednesday from 6 to 7, taking calls and comments from fans. Um, okay, so you got it. They, they call the segment Ask Wex Anything. And so you can, he'll be on there and you can ask him all sorts of questions. What questions do we typically ask Steve Wexler? They, okay, one of the big questions he will get is um, when, when is the move? If you haven't heard, WTMJ is going to be leaving. Radio, uh, the radio broadcasts are going to be, we're going to be leaving Radio City um, three years ago or so when Good Karma Brands came in and bought our radio operation from Scripps, which is the company that bought it from Journal Communications. Um, the, the decision was made ultimately that we're going to move. Our new space is going to be in the, what I'm calling the, the Grand Avenue. Now they call it the Avenue. And it's, I, I, I haven't, I've seen some of the designs. I was down there once two years ago, but um, the offices will be there and the broadcast studios are going to be like glassed in booths overlooking the the food hall so i'm told it'll be very cool when is it going to happen well that's always the difficult thing um the best estimates that i've been told is that the the offices are going to move sometime in early summer and i think the hope is to have the radio studios those of us the on-air people will be the last to move that the hope is to have it ready by like august but if anybody is anybody who's tried to furnish houses or do construction um, over the course of the last couple years has found um, everything takes a lot longer, whether it's, you know, getting workers to do the stuff or getting the materials to have it done. So I, I don't know, but I think the tentative plan for the move for and people always ask that when are you going to be moving downtown? Um, probably not till sometime next summer. And like I say, the offices I've been told will go before the, the on air people, but um, certainly by this time next year, I would imagine that we're going to be broadcasting from uh, the new downtown facility. So I'm, that's one of the questions that I'll get. But anyhow, if you have questions for the general manager, he's going to be here tomorrow night, six to seven. Ask Wex anything, and um, he he will undoubtedly do his best to answer those questions. Okay, now. I want to be real careful going down this route because anytime we talk about anything related to COVID, people go absolutely bonkers and people hear what they want to hear. For example, I mean, yesterday I got this text saying, you are doing such a disservice, you know, by, by not, by not promoting vaccinations and tolerating people who aren't vaccinated, you're doing just such a, a disservice, shame on you, to which I, I, I responded, as I always do to these cases, what do you mean like anti-vaccination? I'm the guy that every time we talk about this topic, I say, I'm vaccinated. I have a booster. I'm very much convinced that uh, the reason you get vaccinated, even if it doesn't necessarily stop you from getting a breakthrough case of COVID, it's going to stop you from getting really sick and ending up in the hospital, which at the end of the day is something desirable. And I've done it. I encourage other people to do it. Now, I do say I am not in favor of the government essentially calling out the military, going door to door, pulling people out of their houses and forcing people to get vaccinations if they don't want to. I don't understand the anti-vaccine mentality. I am not one of those people. But I don't think and I always say, I mean, it doesn't make me anti-vaccination by the fact that I don't think the federal government or the local government has the right to force you to get a vaccine if you make what, in my opinion, is the bad decision, but it's your decision not to. So we, we always, whenever we talk about COVID, we, we see things like that. One of my beliefs over the course of the last two years 
is I think in some respects the medical community has made it worse when it comes to acceptance of things by a constantly changing set of guidelines. Now, hear me out. I know science changes. I get it. I understand that at the beginning of COVID, they didn't think it was airborne, so they said, okay, you don't need to wear masks. And then a couple months later, the data comes in, and we realize it is airborne, so you say you got to wear masks. I get it. That's the science changing. I don't fault people for getting it wrong. Similarly, remember that they said, you know, you need to wipe down all the surface stuff. Well, okay, we, we now know that your, your chances of getting COVID from touching, you know, a, a surface is is essentially slim to none. All right, so we know that all that stuff where people are putting all the disinfectant and on the shopping carts, nobody does that anymore because it, it just, as it turns out, that wasn't something that was required. We didn't know it at the time. My beef, though, has always been some of the stuff isn't so much about, well, science. Well, Jeff, the, the science changes, but rather sort of these knee-jerk reactions tried to play off as science. One of my biggest complaints about Anthony Fauci has been, I don't think he's a bad guy, but I think he's very much overexposed. And he will go on a TV show. He never says no to anything. He'll go on a TV show on a Monday, and he'll say something. And then three days later, he'll be on another TV show, and he'll say something that is completely contradictory to what he said on Monday, creating a, a confusion among people that, okay, what, what is it? Are, are we, remember a couple of weeks ago, he goes on TV, and he says, well, I don't think people should have gatherings. And then I think somebody in the White House got to him and said, are you crazy? We're going to tell people they can't get together over Christmas. And then, well, no, I, I didn't. I, I, it's not what I meant. I meant that, you know, if you're fully vaccinated, you can get together. So that that is my point that, you know, I think that science, we've been really quick to jump on what science is and to try to explain, uh, oh, this is what the science now says, when it's not necessarily what the science says, it's what the public health officials want the science to say. And you had an example of that yesterday. Now, let's understand the reality of what's going on. We have this new COVID variant, which is sweeping across the country. It is much more transmissible than the other forms of COVID. And so you see record numbers of people who are coming down with the virus, including people who are vaccinated, including people who are boosted. I said this yesterday. There are more people. I know more people in the last month that have come down with COVID than over the last two years. I mean, and it's now the good news about this, if you want to find good news, is that nobody that I know. And these are all sorts of age ranges, people in their teenagers, ranging to people in their 80s. Nobody I know has been what I'm going to call very sick, e- even that sick. I mean, it's, well, I feel a little bit tired or had a little bit of a sore throat or I had a runny nose, et cetera. So I, I don't know anybody who's been in the hospital, but they've all been they've all been vaccinated. In many cases, they've been boosted. It didn't stop them from getting COVID, but that's okay. It stopped them from being really, really sick, which to me is what makes it all worthwhile. So... COVID is spreading through the country like wildfire. So what's happening is the CDC, you know, used to have their guidelines used to be, all right, if if you get COVID, 
we want you to isolate yourself for 10 days. That, that's been that's been the policy. And supposedly that's what the science said. The science said, all right, you know, we, we want you to make sure that you don't go back out in public until you're not communicable. So that's it. 10 days is, is the period. All right. Well, the problem with that is COVID, this, this Omicron variant is so prevalent and so many people are getting it that, that if you tell people, all right, you've got to quarantine for 10 days, it's having a huge impact on all sorts of businesses. They can't stay open if they lose people for 10 days. The healthcare system is being decimated because you have people that are told, okay, well, you're, you're a nurse. You've just tested positive for COVID. You're, you're asymptomatic. You feel fine, but you know, you can't go back to work for 10 days. Well, they don't have enough nurses anyhow. It's creating this huge strain on the healthcare system. So, the CDC changes its rules yesterday and they say, okay, here, here's the deal. We're now changing our guidance. And what we are saying is that you can now have a shorter period of quarantine. We previously said that infected patients had to isolate for 10 days from when they were tested for the virus. Yesterday they said, never mind. We've now changed the period to five days for those without symptoms were those without fevers whose other symptoms were resolving. So the idea is, all right, now you can go back into public five days earlier. I don't have any problem with this. All right, I, I, I don't. I have no problem with this at all. But the CDC, even themselves, they admit that one of the things that is driving this decision is they need to get people back to work sooner. So it's not just the science. It's, well, also, we got to get people back to work sooner. And I have no problem with that at all. But I guess where I wonder is, all right, where did the 10-day thing come from in the first place? And and was that 10-day stuff ever really valid? Has there been a dramatic change in the science? Or is this just, hey, we've got so many people that are getting this now. We can't have people on the bench for 10 days. We've got to figure out a way to get them back sooner, so we're going to change it to five days. Well, I certainly hope they're right. I think that's great. But is this a change in the science? Or is this, let's adjust the science because we have this need, and now we have to balance how we're going to get people back. Or, or maybe the science never really justified that 10 days in the first place. I mean, maybe maybe it's been five days all along. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I'm glad the CDC did what they did yesterday. All right? I, it makes, makes perfect sense to me. But I, I do wonder... And I have wondered from time to time over the last year and a half whether we're following the science or whether on occasions we're, we're kind of making it up as it goes along or changing the rules, not so much based on science, but rather based on what our needs are, which, by the way, is fine to me if we're going to do it. But I guess to me, the question is, was there really something dramatic that happened? Oh, we, we've got all this new data that shows we were wrong, saying that you needed 10 days. Now it's just five days. Or is it? Maybe it was probably really five days all along, but we didn't have to say this because we didn't have so many people getting it that they were off work forever. 855-616-1620. And that's not being anti-science. That's not a situation where you're being a COVID denier. It's saying, okay, is this really new data? Is this science changing? Or is this, hey, we got a problem and we can't have people sitting out for 10 days? 
Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. One of our texters said, Jeff, I, th- I think it's good to have guidance and guidelines as we get through the vi- virus. I, 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 nobody's arguing with that. I certainly wouldn't argue with that. My, my point is you wonder what's driving some of these guidelines. And I think yesterday's decision, something that I, I'm fine with, by the way, which reduces the space of quarantine from 10 days to five days. That, that, that's great. That's great news. I am glad to hear it. But I guess my question is, OK, was that based on science or was that based on on a recognition that, gee, so many people vaccinated, unvaccinated, regardless, are coming down with this new form of COVID? Now, again, as we always say, if you're vaccinated, chances that you're going to get really sick are very, very slim. And that's a justification for getting the vaccine. But but nevertheless, if everybody is going to get it where a large number of people are going to get it and they have to quarantine for 10 days, that's going to shut down emergency rooms. It's going to shut down hospitals. It's already having a huge impact on the airline industry where you had all sorts of pilots who ended up being in quarantine and calling in sick because they tested positive. So the, the CDC has now changed, saying, okay, we're going to not make it 10 days anymore. We're going to make it five days. I'm just saying, is that science that's out there or is this science being driven with a degree of practicality? And if it is... I'm fine with that. One of our texters says, Jeff, the CDC is finally doing what they should have been doing all along, weighing costs and benefits of their actions, to which I say, amen, which I agree with. That's, you know, I think one of the problems at the beginning of the pandemic is, you know, under the guise of science, we're shutting down huge chunks of the of the economy. We're going to do all these shutdowns because the science says so. Well, no, the science really didn't say you needed to shut down things. In this particular case, I think the CDC, probably because they've heard input from members of the Biden administration, etc., the CDC is doing this balancing. Hey, you know, 10 days would probably be ideal, but you know what? We think we can get by with five, and we understand that five days is going to get people back to work a lot sooner and therefore there's going to be less disruptions to hospitals. There's going to be less disruption to airplanes. There's going to be less disruption to all this stuff. I'm fine with doing that cost-benefit analysis and, again, doing that that weighing of things. But I thought it was really interesting that, again, yesterday you have another change in course. Some people want to write it off. Well, the science has changed. No, the science hasn't changed. The, The needs of the country have changed so that, you make the kind of science adapt or you say, all right, you know, maybe this 10 days would be ideal, but it's just not practical anymore. So we're going to be willing to take the risk, understanding that maybe someday people who've only been quarantined for five days, well, maybe they still might be communicable, but not enough so that they we need to have them stay home. No problem with any of that. And I'm glad that they've shortened this, but maybe moving forward, Instead of just saying, well, this is what the science says, we need to acknowledge that you need to balance the science and the data that you have with, I don't know, the practical needs of the country. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Well, Eric Bilstadt, you know what the one good news is? You were doing the traffic reports. This is, um, there's not a lot of people in the roads That's this true. week, which That's is the, the good thing for, for this. It's always, this is the first significant snowfall area-wide, and it seems like people just every year forget how to drive in right? the snow. Yeah, we have some issues, some people sliding and slipping, but for the most part, we're getting through it today. Well, right, and again, it, I think, you know, it, it's good because the week between... Holiday week, yeah. I, You know, I, 
I pulled into the parking lot this morning, and um, I, I would say I, I couldn't count. I, it would be unfair to say that I could count the number of cars in our parking lot on on you know two hands. But if I if I took if I took two hands and two feet, I, you know, <laughs> I, I could do it. I mean, clearly there's there's not too many people that are here this week. No, it's just one of those weeks. It's, and it, the fact that the holidays are both on the Saturday, so it just it it just right. lumps that entire week out for a lot of folks. Well, I know a lot of restaurant operators who've essentially been closed since before Christmas because what what they said is, well, you know, we're not open for New Year's Day, so because it falls on like if Christmas Eve is a Friday, we're mm-hmm. not open for that. It doesn't make sense to open up for a couple days in the middle of this week right. and then have to close again. It doesn't make sense to order food and have that inventory and things like that. So unless you're planning on being open on, on New Year's Eve for New Year's Eve parties, I know a lot of restaurant operators who just decided to shut down for two weeks. You know, and I was all set. To, we were invited to a big, I don't want to say a big house party, but a house gathering that someone was hosting on New Year's Eve. And I have to admit, now I'm starting to get second thoughts, been able to make it through the first you know, the first holiday, and I feel like we made through it okay. I don't know if I can uh, count oh, my chickens COVID. yet. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was saying in the last segment, and this is true, I personally know more people who have come down with COVID in the last 30 days than in the previous year and a half. Isn't that amazing? It, it's, and, and now, again, the good news, and, and these are people all age ranges. Like mm-hmm. I said, people, I know teenagers, I know people in their 80s. Now, the good news, at least... In, in my circles is, I, I think everybody that had it was vaccinated and in some cases boosted. They've gotten it again, but nobody is is very sick. Right. And and, right. and, I, and I, you know, then whenever you say that, people, what do you mean they weren't sick? But I mean, nobody is anywhere near the hospital. Right. They're, they're, how do you feel? Oh, I'm a little bit tired, or I had a little bit of sniffles mild or something. Symptoms. Very yeah. right, very mild, which is you know, which is the the good thing. But they're still there. Hey, uh, tomorrow night I saw this note that came out that uh, our general manager Steve Wexler is going to be doing like an Ask Wex segment from yeah. six to seven. We what, should what? call in. <laughs> no, I, I, I have these regular meetings when I have a chance. To, uh, we, we, we have that conversation. It's Ask Jeff and then Ask Wex, that, that sort of stuff. I was trying to think what the most common question would be yesterday. People would want to know when we're moving downtown. Right, and that's, that's one. As far as I know, what I keep being told is the, the offices are going to move first, and it'll probably be the early the part of the yeah. summer, and the studios will come later on. I got it. I know what the biggest question will be. What's that? Packers on WTMJ. Well. We get that one quite a bit uh, when Steve does the ask questions. A lot of people ask about the Packers on the radio station. Here. Okay, well, it's I, I, what, what do you what do you say to that? It's well, just it's a it's a take care of that one. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's it's like oh, oh okay, you know, people these are people bid for things, mm-hmm, and sure. you know, there's business decisions that end up getting made. It is going to be kind of yeah. kind of different now. So people would have asked who's going to replace Gene Miller, but we know the answer mm-hmm, to that, that's and true. we don't exactly know. When, but sometime in February or, or early mm-hmm. March, I yep. think we we know that. And then, of course, you get the more esoteric questions, like how could you have had Wagner on the air for twenty four <laughs> years and stuff like that, <laughs> to which we all shrug, shrug our shoulders. No and say, idea. I don't, no, absolutely no idea, right? Because <laughs> my 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 gosh, we we don't because there's a lot of listeners and stuff like that, and we can't figure mm-hmm. it out ourselves. But that's that's it. So, anyways, um, you can yeah, we, we could call in. Yeah, you you can figure <laughs> out when am I getting more money? <laughs> I want more vacation. All yeah, those right. things. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, you deserve it. So it works out. All right. We will keep you updated on what's going on in the roadways. But the bottom line is it's first snowfall of the year. Be careful out there because some people forget how to drive. Okay. I I have told stories over the last couple decades about opportunities, you know, opportunities that I have missed, chances to get involved in investments that I have I have passed on. And I, I, I will say this. My decision-making for 
every one investment that I wish I had put some money into, there have been another 20 that I said no to that I'm very glad I said no. So I'm way, 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 way ahead on points because the vast majority of the things that people have come to me and said, hey, you want to put a little bit of money in? And I've said, no, I I don't think that would work out. The vast majority of those have, in fact, not worked out. So I think... Even having missed on maybe one out of 20, I'm still probably ahead of the game. There is something that, and I I know it's very, very controversial, and frankly, I don't get it. And there's no way that I would invest in this. But I know that there's some people, whenever I say that, who say, oh, you're, this is, this is like when you didn't realize that Starbucks was going to take over the world. This is going to be a missed opportunity. It's cryptocurrency. Now, what is cryptocurrency? Maybe you've heard this term around. Cryptocurrency is what they call digital currency, right? It's it's not backed by anything. It's not backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. It's it's not like a euro. It's not like a dollar. It's it's digital currency. And what you do is you can use this digital currency to buy goods and services if you can find somebody who is selling a good or providing a service that's willing to accept the cryptocurrency. Got it? So, I mean, it's just, it, it's it's sort of like an electronic, in some respects, way of, of barter, you know, where you would go and say, okay, um, I'll, I'll give you three Bitcoin and you give me this. It's kind of like the equivalent of saying, okay, we're, let's, let's not fool around with money. I'll give you a dozen eggs that my chicken has just laid, and in return, you paint my bedroom or, or whatever. The most There's like 13,000 different cryptocurrencies that are out there. The most popular one is is Bitcoin. Now, cryptocurrencies are are what they, you know, generally speaking, you know, they, they kind of refer to cryptocurrencies as being like the greater fool theory. And, and what that means is cryptocurrencies don't do anything. It's not like a business that you know that you grow things and you you open more stores and you get more product and inventory. Um, cryptocurrency. It's largely what people do is they trade it. They say, okay, I've got a Bitcoin, and I am willing to sell you the Bitcoin for $47,000. And you say, yeah, I'll, I'll buy it. And you would make money by saying, okay, I only paid $30,000 for the Bitcoin, so I've sold it for $47,000, so now I'm up $17,000, and you have the, the Bitcoin. So they call the greater fool theory, meaning that the only way you really make money with these cryptocurrencies, like a Bitcoin, is if you can find somebody that's out there that will pay you more money, more that'll pay you more than you paid for it. And Bitcoin, and I'm picking on that, because, like I say, there's all these different cryptocurrencies that are there. It, it goes up and down. Earlier this year, um, one Bitcoin was worth like $65,000. Then it dropped down to like 20000 Right now, it's at like $47,000. Again, if you can find somebody who's willing to buy it from you. Now, I know all sorts of people who think this is this is the wave of this is the wave of the future. Uh, it's going to be a great investment because this is going to be the currency of the future, and people are going to flock to this. And those of you who bought Bitcoin 
for $30,000 or $40,000 per Bitcoin. Once this all takes off, it, you're, you're going to, you're going to make just an absolute fortune. Um, okay. You know, maybe. And then there's others of us who are kind of concerned with, all right, what's, what's going to happen if people I don't know, decide that, that they're not going to continue to buy Bitcoin. What happens if this is a fad, like Beanie Babies? What happens if people decide that they're not going to accept good, offer goods or services in exchange for this? What happens if, if all this is is this kind of electronic trading market and I end up getting stuck with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of Bitcoin, um, cryptocurrency. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, one of, the, one of the things that really kind of thrust Bitcoin into the forefront is that uh, starting next week, the Staples Center, which is in Los Angeles, where like the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers play, that's going to be renamed and actually Christmas Day is when it occurred, they're now going to call it Crypto.com Arena. It's the Crypto.com Arena. And the thinking is, oh, this is going to be great. This is when crypto, you know, this is when, you know, cryptocurrency moved into the mainstream. And this is where everybody's going to be looking at this and saying they just have to have it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I am skeptical. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Ten years from now, are people who invested, quote-unquote, speculated, bought cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, are they going to be the ones that are flying around in the private jets, or is there going to be buyer's remorse? 855-616-1620. To me, doesn't make any difference because there's no way I would touch any of this myself. 855-616-1620. We discuss. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So what really got me thinking about this is is the the Staples Center in Los Angeles. You know, big big arena, Los Angeles. It's now going to be the Crypto.com Arena, which is its effort to promote cris- cryptocurrencies, things like Bitcoin and stuff. Which I'm sorry, I, I just don't get. Here's a text, um, Jeff. Let's see. This is the this is the pet rocks of the twenty of pet rocks of 2020 well you know that's you know there is an element of that you know maybe jeff i think i'm a smart guy but no matter how many times people explain crypto um to me i don't get it i get the gold standard i get promissory notes i don't get this at all and when people say you can digitally mine for it it really loses me well that is one of the keys to to investments for me and and maybe this has just been one of the limiting things over the course of my life even though i've done okay I, i need to you need to be able to explain something to me in in like two sentences what does the company make you know what what does what service does it offer why is this going to be in demand you know what what is going to be the market oh this is a really great idea everybody's going to want to you know pay 4 dollars for coffee all right well well that's great everybody's going to want to do the blockbuster model i mean at least while it lasted it was a gold mine here let's invest in blockbuster you have to know when to get off cryptocurrency which is something that that does that does nothing. It's not like a company that makes things. It's not like a company that provides services. It's just, well, you know, here, it's a trading platform. If you want to use it as an alternative to buying something. Sorry, I just, 
I mean, if people want to do it, I guess that that's that's okay. I never tell people how to spend their money, but th- this idea that this is going to revolutionize the world—sorry, I just don't see it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Travis in Bayside. Hi, Travis. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? So uh, I I I'm afraid to say this to any potential crypto investor, but I do invest in a little bit of crypto. And uh, But as of right now, it's an extremely risky long-term investment. So if you think you're going to sink some money into uh, doggy coin, for example, and make uh, a bunch of money, you, you just don't know what the, the future holds for each individual crypto coin. However, right. the idea in the emerging technology is revolutionary. And I think long-term you're going to see uh, in the future more regulation and more investment in it. Uh, But any particular crypto coin, who knows? I mean, it could be anything, but it's a fantastic idea. And if, you know, a place like uh, the uh, arena you were talking about wants to make an investment and encourage people to use a crypto, all the power to them. Is it, it do, right now there are, and again, when, when people say cryptocurrency, I, I think some people don't understand that there, each, there, there's all these individual, there's like 13,000 different forms of crypt, cryptocurrency and probably more every day. I was just using Bitcoin as a reference because it's, it's probably the, the biggest one. Do you think that large number is sustainable? Um, as far as, uh, each individual, no. I mean, there's there's just too many. I mean, when you have that many options, uh, the odds of making money in right. any individual one it it goes down anytime you add uh, that many choices. Um, so yeah. short term, if you know what you're doing, you you can make money just like making money in the stock market. But uh, that's really all there is to right. it as as far as money is concerned. I mean, you, you can look into each one and and balance the risk um, but some of them are literally pyramid schemes while yeah. others are actually batched with something yeah no thank no you're you're exact i mean that, that's kind of the interesting thing and and to your point that it's in, in many respects most of these these the cryptocurrencies they're, they're not backed by anything somebody was saying well you know that you were using the the greater fool theory that the only way you make money is to find somebody who pays more that's like the stock market well not necessarily because when you're investing in a company that the in, in most cases the company's share price is going to be based on what it is that the company does you know you're investing in a company that I don't know, makes makes cars, you know, and, okay, well, you know, they, they manufacture cars and the stock is going to go up and down based on are they able to anticipate what the market is going to be moving forward? Hey, we're into electric cars. That's going to be the, the big thing. It's the success and the growth of the company and the goods that it makes or the services that it offers that's going to generate and justify the the increase or decrease in the stock price. Whereas like uh, Travis was saying, with the cryptocurrencies, it, it's purely speculative. I'm going to buy Bitcoin at $30,000 for a Bitcoin. And Bitcoin doesn't do anything. Bitcoin doesn't make anything. Bitcoin doesn't offer any service. I'm just going to hope that I'm going to be able to find somebody out there who at some point in time will be willing to pay $40,000 for for my Bitcoin. 
on their speculation that somebody else down the line is going to be willing to spend even more money for their Bitcoin. I just... Just don't understand it. Here's a text, Jeff. I look at Bitcoin as just the new pyramid scheme. The only people that could make money were the first ones in. No long-term way to maintain profits. Um, reminder, a fool is born every day mentality. Well, I, I don't know. I that, That's kind of where I come down on this. But this is huge. And so, you know, when you watch basketball games from Los Angeles and you see they're playing at the Crypto.com arena and you wonder what cryptocurrency is, well, that, that's, that's kind of what it is. Whether you decide you want to go down that route or not, well, you're on your own for that. When we come back, we're going to find out what Greg Matzik has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Stick around.